After a disastrous first inning on Sunday, it looked like the Orioles were headed for a series loss, and some thought it looked like Grayson Rodriguez was headed back to AAA. But then those resilient Orioles showed up, and everything changed, and the O's got out of the Windy City with a series win over the White Sox. I'll break it all down, give you my three big takeaways from the weekend, coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, April 17th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to recap a huge series win for the Orioles as they went on the road this weekend and took two out of three in pretty remarkable fashion over the Chicago White Sox. And I'm going to get you my three big takeaways from the weekend having to do with Grayson Rodriguez's resilient third MLB start. The Orioles bats just never, ever dying at any point in any game. And the O's bullpen getting a little bit better as the season goes on. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Ultimate Baseball GM. Have you ever dreamed of becoming an MLB GM and managing your baseball franchise? Then this game is definitely for you. To download the game, just visit ultimatebaseballgm.com or look it up on the app stores. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game. So let's dive right into it today. The Orioles take two out of three from the Chicago White Sox in Chicago over the weekend. Orioles now nine and seven on the year by winning that series. And for the O's, it is their first weekend series win of the year. And they picked up their first Sunday win of the year this weekend. That was something tough for them last year. But it was an exciting series for the O's, starting off with a 6-3 to win on Friday night. Then the O's couldn't hold on on Saturday, lost 7-6 to in 10 innings on a walk-off by the White Sox, but came back and literally came back on Sunday, winning 8-4 to to win the series, again getting to 9-7 and on the year. And I'm going to get you my three big takeaways from that series. And let's start on Sunday. My first big takeaway from the Orioles' weekend series win on the road against the White Sox is that Grayson Rodriguez, I think more so than his first two MLB starts, really showed something in his third start of his career on Sunday. Because, as we all know, it did not start off well. Rodriguez goes out there after the Orioles go down 1-2-3 against one of the best pitchers in baseball in Dylan Cease in the top of the first, and it didn't start off well. For the third consecutive time, all three of his MLB starts, Grayson Rodriguez has walked the leadoff batter on a 3-2 pitch. And this one hurts a little bit more because he walked Luis Robert who had not drawn a walk all year until that leadoff plate appearance on Sunday. So you're already behind the eight ball. Andrew Vaughn shoots one into right field. And then Baltimore native Gavin Sheets gets a hanging breaking ball, gets just enough of it to hit it over the right field wall. A three-run homer. And before Rodriguez has an out, it's 3-0 White Sox. And he had had some bad first innings, but he also hadn't given up a home run in his first two starts. He also hadn't given up this many runs in an inning. Three runs on the board. Then a couple batters later, Jake Berger hits a home run to the opposite field. And it's 4-0 White Sox with one out on the board. And we are looking at 
full disaster mode for Grayson Rodriguez in his third start. But then, with a lot of people calling for him to be pulled out of the game and sent to AAA right there, he responded. And despite giving up four runs against the first five batters he faced, he ended up going five innings, allowing only those four runs on six hits, with a career-high eight strikeouts to two walks, just those two home runs that he allowed in the first inning, just those two walks that he allowed in the first inning, 93 pitches for Rodriguez, and overall, I think, his best start of his three so far. The recovery to do that after giving up four runs, not just in the first inning, but to the first five batters of the game, he had allowed four runs. To then turn it around and not give up another run, another homer, or another walk for those next four innings while striking out eight batters was pretty incredible for Grayson Rodriguez. He went out there and got 12 whiffs. And the thing that worked for him after he recovered from that first inning was the changeup on Sunday. That was the off-speed pitch that we had always heard about for Grayson Rodriguez in the minors. That this pitch, you know, you look at it and you feel like if it develops enough, it could be like Pedro Martinez's changeup from the right side. That's how good people thought it could be. Then he got into the upper minors, specifically in AAA, and he started to focus a little bit more on the slider and the curveball. The changeup didn't take a back seat, but it wasn't as prevalent as his number one off-speed pitch. And then he got to the bigs, and we noticed he kind of had some trouble commanding that changeup in his first two starts. That was not the case on Sunday. That pitch was basically unhittable once he started going to it in the later innings of this start. The changeup was his number two pitch on the day. Of his 93 pitches, he threw 37 four-seam fastballs, 27 changeups, 22 sliders, six cutters, and one curveball. But that changeup, his number two pitch, on 27 changeups, he got 17 swings, and eight of those 17 swings were swings and misses. Four of those were called strikes as well on the changeup. He threw a 44% called strike and whiff percentage is crazy elite. Anything over 30 is considered really good on a pitch. It was just an unbelievable day. He got some White Sox hitters looking silly, swinging and missing on that changeup, righties and lefties. It was working all day. That's the Grayson Rodriguez we know. And hey, even though the changeup was dominant, the four-seamer and the slider were both good. And it was nice to see that, hey, Grayson does have five pitches, but only seven of his 93 pitches were the cutter or the curveball. 86 out of 93 pitches, he went with the three pitches that were working, the fastball, the changeup, and the slider on Sunday. And it was nice to see him adjust and say, okay, I have a feel for three out of my five pitches. Let's just use these guys because I know I can dominate with these three offerings. And that's exactly what he did really after it was 4 nothing. Once it was 4 nothing with one out in the first, then it turned into the Grayson Rodriguez we know he can be. And that's when it got really, really fun to watch him out there. And I think it showed that for as many people that, went nuts about that first inning. He does have a first inning problem, but he belongs in this rotation. You know, with Cole Irvin now in AAA, as the Orioles made that move on Thursday, it looks like Grayson Rodriguez is going to stay in this rotation unless the O's want to give Spencer Watkins his spot. And after seeing how dominant he was against a pretty good offense in those last four innings, you can't take him out of the rotation now. That was, that was some dominant stuff he was showing out there. And I get it. You know, the overall stats haven't been great. Now over three starts for Rodriguez, it's 14 in the third inning, 16 hits, 11 runs, 19 strikeouts to seven walks and two homers, a 6.91 ERA for Rodriguez. But if you've noticed, he's had a bad first inning 
in each of his three starts. And it does kind of feel like he just, it takes him a little while to get a feel for which pitches are working to kind of settle into the game. And it really hurt him, obviously, on Sunday with the four runs to five batters. But it's hurt him in each start. He's given up at least a run in the first inning in all three starts. And again, he has walked the leadoff batter of the game in all three starts as well. He needs to stop doing that first and foremost. But in his three innings that he's pitched, his three first innings, I should say, he's allowed seven runs on six hitch with three strikeouts to four walks and two homers. That's a 21.00 ERA in the first inning. If you remove the first innings from Rodriguez's stats and you just look at the other 11 and a third innings that he has thrown, here are his stats outside of those first innings. Four earned runs, 10 hits, 16 strikeouts, three walks, no homers, and a 3.18 ERA outside of the first inning for Rodriguez in his first three big league starts. That's pretty damn good from what we've expected out of Grayson Rodriguez. Now, you still need to figure out what's going on in the first inning because long-term, it won't matter as much if you're throwing four or five dominant innings if you still give up three in the first. You're still putting your team well behind the eight ball, and he's given up two, then one, then three in terms of runs in the first inning of each of his starts. So he has to figure it out. So whether it's throwing a couple more pitches in the bullpen to get himself more warm or doing something in terms of breathing exercises or something to just calm the heart rate a little bit. Maybe the nerves are getting to him in each first inning. Or even if it's something a little more flexible or creative that the Orioles can do, maybe for Grayson's next start, they throw an opener out there. You know, potentially put a a Brian Baker or a Logan Gillespie or, you know, a, a Danny Coulomb out there in the first inning to face the top of a team's order. And then when Rodriguez comes into the game, Maybe that first inning is still an issue, but instead of facing one, two, three, he's facing, you know, five, six, seven, eight in the order, which you have a little bit better chance of getting away with having a rough first inning when you're facing that part of the order instead of the three or four best hitters in a major league team's lineup. So maybe that could work for Rodriguez as well. But either way, he deserves to stick in this rotation. And I get that the first inning was bad. It's been bad in all three starts. But the recovery each time has gotten better and better, and it was great on Sunday. And remember, he kept the O's in that game after giving up four runs to the first five batters. Any other rookie pitcher in his third career start could have just rolled over and said, that's it. Given up another two or three runs, been lifted in the third inning, and it could have been a blowout game that the Orioles lose. But he refocuses, gets a 1-2-3 second inning, and yeah, he gave up a couple more base runners, but didn't walk anybody else, didn't give up any more long balls, and dialed in the strikeout stuff and threw four consecutive scoreless innings as the O's offense, which has been known to do, piled up hits and walks and base runners and got themselves back into the game and eventually took the lead. Kudos to Grayson Rodriguez for what he did. It's fun to watch. There's going to be some bumps in the road. Maybe they all come in the first inning for the next couple of weeks. But he's earned this spot from what he's done. And that stuff is nasty. And you can't tell me there's five pitchers that are healthy right now that are better in the Orioles organization for the Major League team right now than Grayson Rodriguez. You just can't do it. That was fun on Sunday. That was fun resilience. That was a fun bounce back. Just awesome to see from the Orioles' top pitching prospect. But the other reason the Orioles won on Sunday, it wasn't just because of Grayson Rodriguez bouncing back. The bats still had to get going. I mean, they were still in a 4 nothing hole. And they certainly did that. To be honest, they kept going Friday. 
Saturday even in the loss, and specifically Sunday as well. So coming up next, I'll get to my second big takeaway from the weekend. Taking a look at the Orioles' bats and just how good they were in Chicago. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Baseball GM, which is one of the coolest games I've played on my phone in a long time. It gives you a chance to try to be a Major League GM, but it's not like MLB The Show, and it's not like Fantasy Baseball. It's different. It's honestly a much more realistic game world because not only are you making player decisions and drafting and trading and signing free agents, you're also scouting players, managing personalities, injuries, going through team finances, you're making decisions on facilities you're building, everything that goes into a team. And listen, it's completely free. You can play offline, so you don't need Wi-Fi. You can play on the go, play when you want to, and compete against your friends as well. And Locked On Orioles listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probaseballgm.com. Scan the code or look it up on the app stores. That's probaseballgm.com. Ultimate Baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. So the Orioles take two out of three in Chicago against the White Sox to get to nine and seven on the year. And it was a resilient series for the Orioles. I feel like I've used that word a lot already on this episode, but that's what it was because Grayson Rodriguez didn't quit when he was down in the first inning and the Orioles bats certainly didn't quit really in any game of this series when they got down all three games, even though one of them on Saturday was a loss. It felt like the Orioles' bats just would not let up and were just keeping them in every game. That's how it's felt for most of the season, but you could specifically see it in Chicago this weekend. Let's start with the Friday night game. Mike Clevenger, as much of a horrendous human being as he is, he was pitching well on Friday night. Six scoreless innings. The Orioles basically couldn't touch him. Then you get to the seventh, and the Orioles are down 3 nothing, and the bats aren't going, and you're just not feeling good about the game. But then... Things just start to trickle in. You know, you, you you get a leadoff walk, and then a strikeout, but then another walk. You get a fly out, and you're like, is this really going to happen? Well, then you get a single that loads the bases, an infield single, and you're thinking, okay, maybe the O's can get on the board here. Cedric Mullins draws a walk to drive in a run. It's 3-1. to one. Okay, here come the O's. And oh, look who's up. It's Adley Rutschman, maybe the hottest hitter in all of baseball. And what does he do? Take an 0-2, 100-mile-per-hour fastball from Ronaldo Lopez, the White Sox closer, on the inner half and shoots it the other way into the left center field gap. One of the most impressive swings I've seen Adley put on a ball, smokes that thing to left center field, 104.6 off the bat, drives in all three runners, and all of a sudden you look up and the Orioles, whose bats were just not awake, are leading this game 4-3 to in the seventh inning. And then they come right back, what do they do? Let's get some insurance runs. Two more come across in the eighth. All of a sudden, it's a 6-3 game, and you get it to the back end of the bullpen, which is still a bit okay, and you win the game 6-3. to three. And the Orioles, they had base runners. They drew nine walks in that game on Friday. Everybody is getting on base, and you just continue to be impressed with the resiliency of the offense. I mean, Rutschman with a big hit. Mullins gets on base multiple times. I mean, Adley had the three RBIs. He also drew three walks in that game alone. Gunnar Henderson still not hitting well, but still drew two walks in that game. People just getting on base, getting the job done. Then you go to Saturday, and I get the Orioles lost Saturday. It was a tough loss. They fell 7-6 in extra innings, walked off in the 10th. It was tough to see. It was a game I feel like the Orioles should have won. I mean, they really, if you think about it, 
had a really great chance to sweep this series. It's great that they got the series win, but they should have won Saturday's game. And the offense was maybe the most disappointing part of Saturday because the Orioles went 1-for-14 with runners in scoring position in Saturday's game. They had boatloads of chances, and they should have had more than the six runs. They should have won. Now, you feel like six runs can win you a lot of games in Major League Baseball. That's a, another concerning part of it. And Kyle Gibson made some bad pitches to allow Chicago back in the game. But even with that 1-for-14, you're still seeing glimpses of this team putting it all together. You know, they're down 2-1 to one, heading into the 6th. The offense not looking good. They weren't really hitting Michael Kopech. All of a sudden, sixth inning starts, boom. Anthony Santander finally, finally hits his first home run of the season. Home run leader last year. Hadn't homered yet for the Orioles through 14 games. And all of a sudden, boom, he goes deep. 105 off the bat, 405 feet to right field, ties the game. All of a sudden, you're looking around a little bit like, okay, we've tied this game, not playing well. Let's see what can happen there. Then after the home run, you get a walk and a single, and a walk, and you've loaded the bases. And even after a strikeout, you're still resilient. Jorge Mateo, RBI single. Okay, here we go. Cedric Mullins, RBI walk. It's 4-2, to two, and it was tough to see. Then Adley Rutschman come up and ground into a double play in that spot. But you're still leading 4-2. to two. Well, here come the White Sox. They tie the game bottom six. What do the O's do? Get a run in the top of the seventh. Take the lead back. You go to the tenth. What do the O's do? Get a run in the tenth. And it was unfortunate that the Orioles starters haven't gone deep into games. So they were out of good relievers. They had to use Logan Gillespie with the zombie runner on in the 10th. He was their best choice to get the save. And he gave up the two runs without getting it out. And the White Sox walk it off. It was unfortunate. A game the Orioles should have won. But you're still getting good performances from the offense in this one. Jorge Mateo, three for four in that game. Hayes, two hits. Santander, two hits. Mullins, two hits with three walks. Rutschman didn't have a hit, but drew two walks. Even Ryan Mountcastle, who was 0 for six, had four hard hit balls. He's still crushing the baseball. And so you're still feeling good about the offense. And then you get to Sunday, really the creme de la creme of this whole point I'm making about the O's offense. You give up a four spot in the first inning. Grayson Rodriguez, hopefully for him, he never has a worse inning in his big league career, but he gives up four. And you're looking at the other side and you know you're facing Dylan Cease, a guy who was in the running for the Cy Young Award all of last year and will be in it again this year. The White Sox ace, he's been incredible. He just mowed you down. He's mowed you down for three scoreless innings. It's 4 nothing. But then the fourth inning starts, and you get a little bit of an opening against Dylan Cease. Just a little opening. Single, walk, single. Sack fly makes it 4-1. to one. And then you get an error on a ball that was hit hard by Taron Favre, but still an error on the third baseman, Jake Berger. And it opens up the inning. And then here comes Cedric Mullins with a two-run triple, and all of a sudden, it's 4-3. to three. Okay, we're into this game. You load the bases, you get a run on a wild pitch in the sixth to tie the game at four. Your bullpen and your pitching keeps the game tied, and all of a sudden, you get to a very, very shaky White Sox bullpen. And that was the other point of this weekend, is that, yeah, the White Sox starters are pretty solid, but their bullpen is ten times more of a disaster than the Orioles is. But if you're the O's, you still got to take advantage. That's exactly what they did. 4-4 game going into the top of the eighth. It's rally time again. Jorge Mateo, leadoff double. Steals third. Ryan McKenna walks. Cedric Mullins RBI single. You're, you're still going here. You get a walk. Then Ryan Mountcastle with an RBI on a line drive to left. Then Anthony Santander with an RBI single. And all of a sudden, it's 7-4. to four, And even though you don't have a lot left in that bullpen, that's enough to get six outs and hold that lead. And the Orioles did add another in the ninth on another Mullins RBI single just to get some big-time insurance. And they win that game and win the series. 
And that Sunday game was just incredible. But the whole weekend, the offense, just a, a great display. I mean, the Orioles, who after walking nine times Friday, they walked 10 times on Saturday. That's how they were able to be one for 14 with runners in scoring position. The Orioles drew 26 walks in three games. Let me say that again. 26 walks in three games. Essentially one walk per inning they were drawing this weekend. The plate discipline is different. And again, White Sox pitchers had something to do with it. Their bullpen, eh, very shaky. But that is very impressive. I mean, look at some guys who had some great weekends. Obviously, Adley had the big hit Friday, but only had one more hit after that, despite the fact that you know he went through the weekend and drew seven walks on the weekend. Adley Rutschman, the major league leader in walks, the first Oriole ever to walk 16 times in the first 16 games of a season. Yeah, he's pretty good. Cedric Mullins, I think, was the big catalyst of the offense this weekend. He had been struggling all year coming into these games. And all of a sudden, Mullins goes 6 for 11 with a double, a triple, 5 RBIs, 6 walks, and just 2 strikeouts. Mullins reached base in 12 of his 17 plate appearances this weekend and hit out of the leadoff spot and was dynamite for the Orioles. And then Jorge Mateo just continuing to swing that hot bat. Now, he only started two of the three games, but got into all three. He goes six for eight with two doubles, a homer, four RBIs, two walks, and get this, zero strikeouts in a three-game series for Jorge Mateo. The big thing for him last year, we talked about just striking out too much for a guy with that speed. And, you know, he did. He did get caught stealing for the first time this year. That was a little sad to see on Saturday. But still... Two walks to no strikeouts for Jorge Mateo to reach base in eight of his 10 plate appearances in a weekend. Basically hitting out of the eight or nine hole for you. And then Cedric Mullins getting on every time and Adley getting on every time. It's hard to beat this offense right now. And it is fun to watch these guys get on base. And there's going to be games like Saturday where they get on base, but they don't convert. And they go one for 14 with runners in scoring position. But generally, they're going to convert. And they're going to score. And they're going to win some games like that. But throughout the year, even if the Orioles have scored runs, there's a reason they're only 9-7. and seven. The starting pitching has to be better. It still has to be better. Quite frankly, the bullpen has been much shakier than it was last year. I'm not saying the Orioles' bullpen was good this weekend, but it was better. And some interesting names really stepped up when the O's needed them. We'll talk about who those relievers were to finish off the pod coming up after this. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by So Rare. So Rare is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace, transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, So Rare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. And win or lose, you still own your cards, and there's no cost to play. And there's game weeks that happen twice weekly. And at the end of a game week, if you're ranking at the top of the leaderboard, you win awesome prizes like scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars. So head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn. That's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E dot com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. 
So as the Orioles took two out of three from the Chicago White Sox this weekend, they needed help from a lot of facets. And the starting pitching was okay. It wasn't great, but all three starters did get through at least five innings, which is a very, very low bar to clear. But the O's did it. I think that's the only series this year where in every game their starters have pitched at least five innings. Yeah, that's kind of sad. But it did happen. So baby steps for the Orioles starters. It was also baby steps for the Orioles relievers this weekend. Because, listen, Felix Bautista was very good. And he's been very good all season. Got the save on Friday night with three strikeouts. Pitched in the game Sunday, even though the O's were up by four. Got a strikeout scoreless ninth to win the game. But the big issue Saturday, among many issues, was that Felix Bautista was not available. He had pitched Thursday to keep the game tied in the ninth. He had pitched Friday to get the save. He only pitched three straight days one time in 2022, and that was late in the year when the O's needed it. They're not going to do it, and they're especially not going to do it to Felix this early in the year in mid-April. So with Felix unavailable, and with a lot of the bullpen having already been used on Saturday, the O's basically had to put Logan Gillespie in the game in the bottom of the 10th with the zombie runner on second, leading 6-5. to five. And Gillespie, unfortunately, didn't pitch well at all. He did not record an out, and the White Sox walked it off for a 7-6 victory. But that game did kind of show some of the bullpen struggles they've had. But if you really look at that game, the bullpen only allowed one other run after Kyle Gibson only went five and a third and allowed four runs. The bullpen was actually pretty solid until Gillespie just that moment is not one he should be in. Not exactly his fault, but also the fault of the starters and all the relievers who were unavailable. But really in total, the bullpen this weekend, it only gave up two earned runs in three games. That's a pretty nice step forward for an Orioles pen that has struggled all year. And I got to tell you, I mean, it all started Friday with some guys really showing out. And let's start with Mike Bauman. Because Mike Bauman had two just incredibly huge performances this weekend. And Mike Bauman now has a 0.96 ERA out of the bullpen this year. I get that he still hasn't been used in like the highest leverage spots, but maybe that starts to happen. Because Bauman comes into the game on Friday when it kind of looked like things were going to get out of hand. Tyler Wells had pitched five super strong innings, allowing just one run on a solo homer. He was cruising, but he got into a lot of trouble in the sixth, and he loaded the bases, and he had to come out of the game, and all of a sudden, Bauman comes in. It's now 3 nothing. There's only one out. There's two runners on. Bauman walks the first guy he faces, so it's bases loaded, one out, already 3 nothing in the sixth. Basically, one more hit from the White Sox breaks this game wide open, and what does Bauman do? He goes strikeout, strikeout to strand the bases loaded, keep it 3 nothing. and when you look at that, the Orioles scored four in the very next half inning to take the lead, and they hold on to win. But that wasn't all Bauman does. Fast forward to Sunday. After Grayson Rodriguez was doing his thing and came out after five innings, in comes Mike Bauman in what is now a 4-4 game after the O's had tied it in the top of the sixth. And Bauman just cruises through the White Sox order. Two scoreless, hitless innings, only one walked, two strikeouts through 29 pitches, just one hard hit ball against him on Sunday. And he was out there just working it. I mean, five whiffs on the day. It was fastball, slider, knuckle curve. Everything seemed to be working for Bauman. And it was really, really impressive. Those were two huge outings that kept the Orioles in games in the middle innings and allowed the offense to get it started and come back and win the game. But even with those great performances by Bauman, he was not even 
who I would give the reliever of the weekend award to. That is Yenier Cano. Cano, who was called up on Thursday after the Orioles made those roster moves that we'll discuss more actually on tomorrow's episode, where they sent down Cole Irvin, they put Keegan Aiken on the paternity list, and they called up Yenier Cano and Spencer Watkins to provide some fresh arms and some help in a struggling Orioles bullpen. And while Watkins did not pitch all weekend and might actually just be sent back down without ever throwing a pitch so far in the big leagues for the O's this year, Cano, I felt like, was probably going to be on that path as well. I figured he'd probably pitch at least once over the weekend because the O's needed arms, but then he'd probably go back when, of course, Keegan Aiken came off the paternity list and Kyle Bradish returned from the IL on Wednesday. But I don't think the Orioles can do that now because Yenier Cano was unbelievable this weekend. First of all, he came into the game in a pretty high leverage spot on Friday night. After Bauman had gotten the Orioles out of the sixth, CNL Perez, who's been struggling mightily, starts the seventh, did get one out, but also allowed a hit and a walk. He leaves the game with two on and one out in the seventh inning. This is a tight game right here. This is a 4-3 Orioles lead. And what does Cano do? He induces... A 1-4-3 double play. Nice, very nice turn by Taron Vavra on this play. But he gets the ground out to keep it 4-3 and get the double play. And then Brandon Hyde says, you know what, just go back out there. And what does he do? He goes back out there in the eighth and puts together a 1-2-3 eighth with a strikeout. Gets five scoreless outs on 25 pitches on Friday in his first appearance of the year after Cano, who has good stuff, but looked really bad in the big leagues last year for the O's after they acquired him from the Twins in the Jorge Lopez trade. Just had no idea where the ball was going. Well, he came in there and was going sinker slider changeup, and it was fun to watch him do that on Friday night. But then all of a sudden you're thinking, well, he threw 25 pitches. We may not see him again this weekend. We might even see him go back to AAA. But no, the Orioles got in a bullpen battle on Saturday, and they needed him again. It's a 5-5 game heading to the bottom of the ninth. The White Sox have the middle of their order up. Luis Robert, Andrew Vaughn, Aloy Jimenez. 2-3-4 in the order. Tie game, bottom nine. And who do the O's turn to? The guy, the rookie, Yenier Cano, who they just called up, who threw 25 pitches the night before. And what does Cano do? Set down the White Sox best hitters 1-2-3 with two strikeouts on just 11 pitches in the bottom of the ninth inning to send that game to extras. It was unbelievable to see him do that. He just goes out there and says, hey, try and hit it. Gets five whiffs on seven swings, heavy on the slider. Stuff was nasty. And you wanted him to pitch the 10th too. He just couldn't. You can't send him back out there after throwing 25 pitches the day before. I mean, 11 pitches the next day, that's like your maximum. You're not going to have a reliever ever throw 20 plus pitches on back-to-back days. That's why the O's had to go to Logan Gillespie at that point in that game. It was unfortunate that they had to, but they had already used Coulomb, Baker, Perez, and Cano, and Bautista wasn't available. So unfortunately, Gillespie was your next best option. Just didn't get it done in the 10th. But, I mean, what a job by Yenier Cano. And, obviously, he had the day off Sunday. He was not going to be available. But you can't send him down. The Orioles need this guy in the pen right now with that fastball and that sinker changeup slider combo. And then the one other guy I wanted to shout out who didn't do nearly as much over the weekend. But, I mean, hey, Austin Voth has been terrible this year. But the Orioles got to the bottom of the eighth on Sunday. They were leading 7-4 to four after a three-run eighth inning. They had already used Mike Bauman for two innings. Felix Bautista was available, but didn't want to use until the ninth. And basically all their other arms had pitched in the previous two days. The one guy who hadn't pitched yet on the weekend, besides Spencer Watkins, who I don't think you were going to use in his first appearance of the year in a three-run game in the eighth. The only guy left out there was Austin Voth, who was fully healthy and rested. 
And the Orioles go to Austin Voth in a 7-4 game, bottom eight. That could have been disaster time because Voth had given up a home run in every single appearance so far this year. But Austin Voth said, no, no, no. Maybe I'm turning the corner now. He goes 1-2-3 in the eighth inning on a meaty part of the White Sox order with two strikeouts, keeps the game 7-4. And yes, this is very much baby steps for Austin Voth. But a nice sign for him. He's still probably in danger of being DFA'd later this week. But that outing certainly helped. And it wasn't a perfect weekend from the bullpen. But to only get basically five innings from each starter and go to one game that has extra innings and still only allow two earned runs as a bullpen, I'll take that. This weekend looked much closer to the 2022 Orioles bullpen than any other series so far this year. But what matters is the Orioles, they won some crazy games, played some wild games, but they won the series on the road, and they're now 9-7. and seven. And finally, after some a long stretch here with the pitchers getting tired, they do get a day off here on Monday. But I'll still be back tomorrow with a Tuesday podcast, even though there won't be a game to talk about with the off day Monday. We'll talk about the Orioles pitching staff a little bit further because Kyle Bradish is coming back this week. Keegan Aiken's coming off the paternity list this week. Yenier Cano's pitching great. Grayson Rodriguez recovered. What are these roster moves going to be when these guys get back? I'll make those predictions on tomorrow's show. Plus, do a little reset on the Orioles' bullpen with who I trust and who I don't. And then get you ready for the beltway battle between the O's and the Nats. But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.